five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA, and we're going to be talking about mail today, <laughs> catalogs and stuff and such, and I think it's going to be fun, and uh, no deep psychological insights for me today, although yesterday was a pretty popular show, so I don't know, maybe I should stick with that psychobabble stuff. <laughs> Let's have some fun. Let's see what's going on here. This is the uh, Car Wow Company out in the UK, I guess. And uh, this is their spokesperson that's on the media channel, which has, um, it's funny, Car, Car Now Ads, or no, Car Wow Ads only has 900 subscribers. <laughs> but, uh, or only Wow Value, but their regular channel, I guess, has 8 million. Nice car, good price, should be easy, right? Right, geezer, I'll give you two grand less than the asking price. All right, deal. No, car now. Cash later? No, not getting what you paid for. No. Would if I exchange it for my kid's bike? Only wow. Car wow. Find the perfect car at the perfect price. So anyway, car car wow plays on car buying pains with tongue-in-cheek media service. Series, rather. Okay, so they're, they've got four spots coming along. They're fairly short. Matt Watson uh, is the presenter of their YouTube channel with 8 million buyers. He plays the role of a burned out, burnt out car buyer and seller. So I like when they talk about Ben Carter, the chief marketing officer at Car Wow, says that changing your car. You know, it's a really interesting phrase. I've never heard it before. You know, you say, oh, I got to get a new car, you know, which means you got to get rid of the old car. I got to get rid of my wife's old car. We managed to get it through emissions again. <laughs> she loves that car, dang it. <laughs> but I'm not sure I can get it through emissions again. And uh, so I have to sell it off to some other part of the country where they don't have to play with the federal regulations on check engine lights. <laughs> Does it mean that the car gets less gas mileage because it's burning fuel inefficiently? No, it doesn't mean anything. And most people say it doesn't even mean that the catalytic converter isn't working properly. It means that the sensors are bad, but it's lots of money. So 40% of drivers are worried they won't get a fair price when selling their current car. Yeah, and if somebody, you know, if you want to sell a car, for 2000 under the asking price, ask 2000 extra. <laughs> you know, and then you feel good about it. You know, just let, we're going to, somebody's going to ask that. You say, well, uh, no, I really want to get this. And if they keep after you, then you say, okay, well, what would you like to pay? And then, you know, it works out. So always ask a little more because they expect to pay a little less. And the same thing goes when buying a car. People put on a couple extra grand just so they can, negotiate so offer them a little less i think that's fair as long as you both know what's going on right but there's time wasters no showers tire kickers jargon users upsellers i don't know what upsellers are sorry it's already sold yeah i get a lot of those where you you know they don't take them down when they've already done it how about i give you three pounds three thousand pounds less than yeah all that stuff happens okay I don't know what Car Wow does. I just really don't. But I'm sure they take a, a share of it. 
So they may make the price, they may make the process easy, but you know, I doubt you'll get it as much. My first uh, Lexus I bought, uh, I bought it for about six grand. This was, you know, in the 90s. Uh, no, no, it was the 2000s, I think. Well, anyway, it was a while ago. Oh, it's it. Anyway, and I, the the guy selling it said he'd taken it into his dealer and they'd offer him two for it. So, you know, he sold it for six. I got a great deal, I thought. I drove it for another 150,000 miles. Really nice. Full cu full luxury. What a boat. So, whatever, however this works, uh Jeff Bowerman said, they say, don't lead with negativity. But, you know, if you're solving a problem, that's a valiant thing to do. And uh, we hope that it will cut, see great cut through. We hope. And that's what your creatives are thinking, right? They're thinking, well, we hope that it'll do well, right? Which brings me to a creative checklist. Dress your creative for success with informative briefs, and this is from the guys at Gunderson. I had to cut and paste it somehow to get it to work right. Um, and uh, they have a checklist to ask questions, and I think it's really good. I'm not sure I'd put it in this order, but it doesn't matter if you ask all these questions. What makes the product or service unique? Okay, important and helpful and valuable. Uh, do we understand the features? Because features are usually what differentiates it. You know, there's a lot of ways to solve problems, but, you know, yours might have a special chrome-plated whiz-bang. And so make sure you know some of the features. Uh, David Ogilvie makes a big deal of this in Confessions of an Ad Man, how he had the Shell Answer Man talk about how Shell used all these special detergents and things to clean your uh, fuel injectors. But every other gasoline had it in them too, but they never mentioned it <laughs> so everybody thought shell was better even though it was just the same so sometimes you can differentiate with features even if you don't have any differentiating features <laughs> how about that for us a, a saying okay do we have insight into the problem the product solves remember we started i would maybe start with this one what is the problem you're solving and who is who has this problem you know uh, which is up here. Who the products are demographically and psychologically. I think I would put this first, six, this second. And then you got a nice flow into these. How to reach the products emotionally. Yeah, I don't think you can get to this one until you've gotten to the other five. Okay. Uh, how the prospect makes the purchase decision. I think that's also excellent. Too often, I've seen, I've seen, uh, you know, I've seen ads or mailers without any call to action and without any way to order. <laughs> Well, you know our website. You know our 800 number. Yeah, I know we don't. Make it. Put it on there nice and big. Okay, clear, simple, and direct way to present the offer and the call to action. Right, here we go. So we're now we're getting into the details, but it's still important details. What are the barriers to action? You know, what if they don't have a computer? Could you still take an order over the phone? Could you still take an order in the mail? I don't know. But some of the biggest catalogers in Wisconsin still get a lot of direct mail orders. Mail back. What's the reason to do it now, right? Fear of missing out, exclusivity. You know, we did a whole series on that stuff with uh, Summer Gould. <clears throat> do we understand the competition? And are we better or different? 
And again, you can kind of man manufacture that stuff if you have a good value. Um, do we have data insights? Personalization, segmentation, variable content. Watch out for that as we talked about yesterday. And what's the past performance? Are we going to do any testing? There's one you should add. And if we're not, why not? And if they're not and they have a reason why not, maybe you should get a different client. That's how, I, that's how I'd come at this. Okay, so uh, potential undervalued undervaluation for Williams-Sonoma based on long-term growth. It's a solid company that's been growing steadily. They had a, two, two, they had a big jump in, in uh, COVID. Boom, and now they have a little tail off. But, you know, people bought furniture like there was no tomorrow. And, you know, there is a tomorrow. And sometimes you have to buy other stuff like groceries. <laughs> so. So that's revenue, and there's a lot of details in here, and there's a lot of things that I don't know what it is. Discounted by WACC using CAPM, high ROIC compared to WACC. There you go. But I do know what EBITDA means, and every marketer should. That's like before taxes and, st and debt payments and stuff. It's like how much money did you make as a business, regardless of what your prede predecessors put are putting you through. Or the government. Okay, so uh, there's a huge lot of information there, but I also found another article from today, five to seven minutes. It's just two minutes before I got ready to shoot the show. Salesforce provides William Sonoma, and the trouble is it's coming from Salesforce, so it's not very well written. I'm sure it would be better if it was a William Sonoma press release. They have these long sentences, hugely long sentences, right? This is like one long sentence. Every paragraph is one long sentence. This one happens to be two, but they should have had a new paragraph for the new quotation. Anyway, Laura Alber says that we always had a history of in-house innovation. Now they're doing Salesforce. Uh, they got a lot of brands. What's interesting about this is that they 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 are generating personalized customer connections for every stage of life, from furnishing a first apartment to building a wedding registry. Those seem to be both both at the early stages of life, not the full life. So um, I'm not sure who wrote that part, but. Uh, what I liked about it was those are real things that you can do for customers, right? There's, those are real things you can do and you can help them with. And if you help them with them a little bit, you can find out that they're in their 20s or you can find out if they're in their 80s, whatever, you know. One of the things that we found out with one of my clients that sold a lot of furniture and things was that uh, if their client, where their clientele was older, they might have high net worth, but they might not have much income, right? They might be pensioners who have a mansion. It's possible, right? They might have assets, but they don't necessarily have income. And uh, so you got to be careful with your targeting as you get in different stages of life. But the thing I liked best was that uh, they're, they're, um, they're focusing a little bit on business to business. And almost every consumer catalog I've worked with, if we looked a little bit, we found a good, solid business-to-business. -business. Oh, there, here it is. So they now have a way to serve better service restaurants, resorts, uh, and allow them to swiftly order in bulk. Um, they're also uh, high spenders, tend, should be treated with the same kind of personal care that, and I mean personal care, I don't mean AI-generated personalization like we talked about yesterday but 
The first step is segmenting your customers properly so that you can tell the difference between the big spenders and the little. You know, the typical RFM segmentation is 20% of your customers as the best segment. Inside of that 20%, we always find another 80-20, if not two or three of them. Uh, that 1% does about 80% of the first 5%, and the first 5% does about 80% of the first 20%. So there's two 80-20s. And oftentimes, it is, it is high spending, very loyal people, individuals. Maybe they have multiple houses, right? Maybe they have manage apartments or something. You know, they own apartments and they need stuff. And so they're sort of business to business and sort of not. Okay, so... I really like that Williams-Sonoma has an eye on that. And I, you know, we talk about catalogs as being, you know, a, a higher engagement, higher cost way to, 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 to support your customers, give them something nice. Um, but, and then we're going to get to this, but it's a spectrum. You know, it's a spectrum that goes all the way from, you know, uh, one of my clients has a van, he sells uh, uh, a high-level art. He has Monet's. He has Picasso's. He has all kinds of stuff, and uh, he can put those in a van and come out and and you know he'll put them you know hold them up in the wall on the wall where you want it where you're thinking of putting it and things. Well, you know, for people spending tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars, that's appropriate contact, right? And so it's a spectrum, and real personalization gets moves along that spectrum, which I think is a better way to think about customer engagement than it is to say, well, how can we fake personalization in digital? Because we sure don't want to mail them anything. It's too expensive to mail, you know, or it's too expensive to answer the phone and, and have somebody, you know, try to find a phone number half the time on a, on a, on a digital channel. It's oftentimes, they just don't want you to talk to you. Okay, that says something. Okay, so for retailers, catalogs continue to make their comeback. And this is from Sarah Mahoney from Media Post. Excellent article, quite long for a Media Post article. As digital costs keep rising and the ability to micro-target audiences improves, I'm not sure what micro-targeting is. <laughs> I know hitting a target is good if you're an archery or something, you know, and you have... I do put little dots, small dots, on my bigger target to practice. So maybe that's a micro target on a target. But anyway, catalogs are intensifying their comeback. So retailers like Nordstrom, Neiman Marcus, IKEA are finding that people still love a print connection. And you can do digital elements like QR codes. Don't just put one QR code on the back of it and take them to your website. You know, if you feature a product, put a, put a QR on it. You know, and you might even consider combining a, a pearl with a item level landing page or putting, take them to that section of your, of your uh, website. Even digital companies like Wayfair and Amazon are using more print products. Jonathan Zhang, who I, we, we're supposed to do a show together, so I got to reach out to Jonathan. <coughs> Always love hearing from him and his publishing that he does. Um, I don't know how come, I want to ask him, how come he loves catalogs so much? I have an article on that topic for myself. I lived in a log cabin with a half a mile driveway and anything that came in the mail was precious and we used to sit and study it. 
you know, the Sears catalog before Christmas. With less user data, digital ads aren't just more expensive. They're also less targeted. Good point. Okay. And uh, people receive catalogs in addition to emails. And I'm guessing this is a holdout test because if it's not, it's bunk. <laughs> Why? Why is it bunk? Because, you know, as, uh, as uh, Arthur Hughes once said to me, email's so cheap, we just send it to everybody when I was talking to him about how we've gone beyond RFM. And uh, did I mention that we've got a, a meetup tomorrow at 3 p.m.? I just want to, that's what this blinky thing is down here. And uh, there's WDMA.org, uh, or I don't know if we have a post up there, but we do have a group, WDMA group on LinkedIn that you can find out the details or just message me on LinkedIn. That's a good way to do it. And I will make sure you get the link. Um, but Arthur Hughes said, we email everybody, <clears throat> but we don't mail catalogs to everybody. I can tell you that, you know, clients of mine may have 15 million names on file or more, and we don't mail them all. We, we mail some subset of that because, you know, catalogs are expensive, but we can target them. And so, uh, and so if you just compared how catalog recipients did compared to email recipients, you would always find a skew because we target the better customers with our catalog. <laughs> We're not going to waste the catalog on one-time buyers who haven't bought in five years or something like that. We might. Depends on what they bought, right? Um, so I'm guessing it's a real holdout list. Jonathan, if you're um, around, I'd love to hear a little more detail on that. <clears throat> Especially, he says, hedonic products, meaning uh, self 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 rewarding um and you know that's true in general you know i remember going to a, a conference and they were talking about maslow's hierarchy of needs and how that catalogers should be really in tune with that and i'm, I'm looking around at everybody i knew in the room and i thought there isn't one need catalog in this whole place <laughs> we're all selling <laughs> italian hand-blown ornaments or something um that was one of the people there okay so more companies are switching to print 71 <clears> percent <throat> have reallocated budget from digital to direct mail wow nordstrom's is increasing their use of catalogs i love this year after year no matter how many things we did the number one thing customers ask for is the catalog so we prioritize that Neiman Marcus is actually putting out a hardcover edition this year for their best customers. <clears throat> Direct mail provides more customer-focused approach than a promotional approach. <clears throat> Have a great day. Repost. Thank you for all the reposts. Our engagement is going or whatever. Impressions is going sky high, whatever that means. Bye-bye. <laughs>